Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. You won't be a champion, and he'll never be a champion unless he rides the coattails of somebody else and changes at this late stage. But then when you come across a real one or some real ones and you can't conform or you can't relate or you can't work with that, then you are the problem. Why do you want out? What do you want out for? You made this. This is your bed. Little baby or the baby or some kind of baby. At your next birthday, I'm going to have a $20 bill in the cinema <laughs> squirrel for you. How about that? The buy is always good because you have the chance of losing that first game. Oh, I'm always going to go with the Saints, man. Come on, buddy. There was just great TV. It was like a Hollywood script. You think he's worried about two non-conference games in December? We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Ladies and gentlemen, start of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us for what should be a great episode. We have a lot packed into this one, and I want to welcome you guys aboard. And if this is your first time checking us out, I want to remind you of a couple of things, including the fact that you can go to wadeswordproductions.com. That's wadeswordproductions.com. Check out the website. Check out our past episodes. Peruse the site. See all the things that that I am uh, involved in. In addition to that, subscribe to the email list so you can get an email from us periodically to keep you abreast of what we have going on and just keep you in the loop. How about that? So that's wagesworthproductions.com. You can check that out. In addition to that, we have a 24-hour-a-day sports line. So you can call with your comments and your questions and your – if you want to vent about your team or another team, you certainly can, 24 hours a day, and you just might be in the very next podcast. That is 832-941-6614. also want to tell you guys how to uh, reach me on social media. You can go to Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page, and that's very interactive. A lot of folks post things there all the time. I post poll questions so you guys can get involved that way. Make this an interactive experience. And finally, on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. This time out, we have a number of our usual features. Of course, we have features, uh, depending on which episode is it, the early early week episode, we used to say Tuesdays and Thursdays. It hadn't been quite Tuesdays. It hadn't been quite Thursdays. But usually on the Thursday edition, or the second podcast of the week, which this one is, we have a Why We Kneel segment uh, featuring Kalina. We'll run down some headlines for you guys. I will uh, have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode and I may or may not climb aboard my soapbox and I will tell you on Sunday who's going to have a good day that's coming up and uh, we will have a word from our sponsors and we have some great music some some timely music some holiday music I'll give you a rundown of that a little bit later on so you never know which features we'll work in um, but we usually work in several different features just sort of to make things a little bit more interesting but most importantly we have a conversation with Prairie View A&M head basketball coach 
Byron Smith, he has uh, he's coming off of two consecutive regular season conference wins. He won the last conference tournament. He was favorite to win the last one that was canceled by COVID, uh, but he's going to join us. He's a U of H guy. He went to U of H. So uh, and and again, he's been around Houston and Texas Southern and the Swag and Prairie View for a long, long time. And uh, we have a very fun conversation coming up with him. And uh, who knows what else? So with that, let's get into some headlines in headlines. Not going to get too deep into too many stories, but uh, around these parts, James Harden watch continues. It's looking increasingly like he will be traded sooner rather than later. And it just feels like, yeah, now it's time to make that break. I, I don't know what the pro. I guess we, we all had to go through a collective process. Some of us didn't. Uh, some of us, including uh, Kevin Allen, have been ready for him to go for a while now. But for others, the thought that, okay, we're just going to be a mediocre franchise, we're going to be a mediocre basketball city, it's a lot to bear. And I think once we are going through it without, quote-unquote, star power, and you can say John Wall is a star, and he certainly has been in this league. I don't know if he has a star season left in him. Maybe he does. If he's healthy, maybe he does. If he can stay healthy, which he never has, <laughs> but if he can, you know, he has that kind of talent and Boogie Cousins, another guy, you know who I like, and I'm the last person to get excited about anything preseason. Christian Wood looked good the other night. He scored inside and outside. He ran the floor. He rebounded I mean, again. I know, I know, I know what you're saying is preseason. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. But if you're looking for signs of optimism, you can look at Christian Wood and his contribution. So uh, that's happening. The NBA season just days away. A lot of preseason basketball. I made a mistake and gambled on one game. And, well, not gambled. Well, I guess it was gambling. I don't know what, what the classification is for fantasy. I don't guess it's quote-unquote gambling. But nonetheless, I uh, had money on a preseason game, and that did not – look good at all <laughs> so, so i watched the a overtime game between the dallas mavericks and the minnesota timberwolves and you know when you don't know who to pick because it's preseason because you don't know who's gonna play what yeah that was just crazy i shouldn't have done that but it did make me watch the game a little bit just to see and it was good to see carl anthony towns perform well uh, obviously coming off the loss of his mother to COVID and a few other family members so Good luck to that young man. I hope he has a great season. But uh, I will get more into the NBA stuff on the next episode, which should precede the start of the regular season in the NBA in this abbreviated season. So in the NFL, starting to see things wind down and the, the playoff picture come uh, become a little bit more clear as uh, the Raiders were virtually eliminated Thursday night when in a loss to the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert is a star. I know everybody wants to talk about Joe Burrow, but I'm telling you Herbert can he can make man that dude has a monster arm. He is a, I mean I'm telling you he's going to be a special guy. He performed well and didn't have a healthy Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen played, but he didn't play a whole lot. Uh the big news in sun, on Sunday is that Drew Brees is coming back. But Michael Thomas is out. Uh, that's not a good combination. You, you know, Drew Brees coming back from the 11 broken ribs or whatever. And I'm sure, I'm sure that Sean Payton is playing chess in this situation. 
where he's kind of saying, we, let's get a look at Kansas City in case we see them in the Super Bowl. Now, that's very presumptuous. But if you're a coach and you're forecasting these things out, you would like he, – he and Drew Brees would like an opportunity to look at this defense up close in case you do have to face them again. I'm very concerned about it because he could get banged up. I think it hurts not having Michael Thomas. So we'll have to see how much he plays if he if they go through it. But they say he's the starter, so we'll have to see what happens. Also, from uh, these parts, Jalen Hurts gets another start after beating those New Orleans Saints. Great start for him. So that's a very exciting thing. Texans play the Colts, and I'm wondering, maybe you are too, should they sit uh, Deshaun Watson? At this point, you're not playing for anything. Should you sit him and just let him? He was sacked six times. He's banged up pretty tough. I don't know if you want to continue with him, but I'm sure that he'll continue to play. But it's been a lost season, to say the least, for the Houston Texans as Lewis Riddick, the ESPN analyst, he was a personnel guy in the league, so he's not just an analyst. He came from the NFL. He interviewed for the GM position, and we'll have to see if he gets the nod as they have some decisions to make over there on Kirby. So other big games. Uh, let's see, what are some of the big games? Uh, Washington, Seattle, and Washington is a, is an interesting game. Atlanta and Tampa Bay, an interesting game. Let's see if Pittsburgh can get their thing uh, together after losing a couple games straight. I mean, it should be a pretty easy win versus Cincinnati, but they need to right the ship really, really quickly. So uh, we'll keep an eye out on some NFL football. So with that, on our second edition of the week, we go with a segment that is really sort of for all of those people who are boycotting, and there's still some that have just sort of left the NFL alone because Colin Kaepernick chose to kneel. A lot of people still don't understand why he knelt or don't want to understand or want to ignore the fact of why he took a knee. Kalina, the special teams unit, she wanted to do something to honor those folks who were victims of police misconduct and uh, injustice. And this is a segment that we'll run a few more times before we wrap that up because we have her doing a new a new segment that's coming up here pretty soon. So uh, this is a segment that we call Why We Kneel. Feeling the chilling moments that led to a police officer wow. shooting now. me. Ultimately, wow. is to bring Please, awareness officer, and make people. Colin Kaepernick kneeling to protest social injustice and police. Get unsigned by any NFL team. He's fired. He's fired. Why we kneel. On July 5th, 2016, at 12.32 a.m. in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a call went out to the BRPD claiming a man was threatening the caller and waving a handgun while selling CDs outside a food mart. Officers Blaine Salamone and Howie Lake II arrived on the scene and confronted the alleged perpetrator, Alton Sterling. Sterling asked what he had done. An officer replied with a threat. The officers tased Sterling for failure to cooperate. Salamone then tackles Sterling, bringing him to the hood of a sedan and then to the ground. The officers attempted to subdue Sterling by placing one knee on his chest and another on his thigh, but they were unable to gain control of his arms. Salamone yells out that Sterling was going for his gun. After brief threats to Sterling, Salamone fired six shots into Sterling's chest all within close range. 
The entire altercation took only 90 seconds. An autopsy later revealed Alton's heart, lung, esophagus, and liver were all hit from the bullets. While an investigation was done, no charges were brought against the officers. Officer Lake was suspended for three days for losing his temper, and Officer Salamone was fired for violating department policies on use of force. Alton Sterling was 37 years old, and he is why we kneel. very own Kalina for the Why We Kneel segment. And I have to say, it's not a very easy thing for her to to, uh, to do. It's a, it's a grueling and an emotional thing to research and relive these really dark, dark moments in our uh, in our headlines. Things that are happening every single day and have shaped 2020 in a lot of ways uh, that we'll see in many, many years to come. So with that, going to shift gears a little bit, and I would like to give you guys a few predictions for you fantasy people and for folks who have their picks. Right now, I'm leading my league in picks by about three games. The legendary Ralph Cooper's in there, Pat Coleman, former NFL player, Haywood Jeffries, former NFL player, Willie Carter, uh, a bunch of folks, the Carver there, Cobra, a bunch of folks are in that league, and right now I'm I'm enjoying a three-game lead. And in fantasy, I beat KTSU's own, our guy from the midday groove, Chili Bill Smith, uh, I, I ended his season. He can go to the consolation ladder now. I beat him in fantasy. So his season is done. I'm in the semifinals for my league championship in fantasy football. But beyond that, i like to uh, give you guys a heads up on who's going to have a good day. But let's talk about what happened last week because I like to be accountable for what I put out there. So last week I said Pittsburgh would beat Buffalo. Didn't happen. I was wrong. I had Baltimore over Cleveland in dramatic fashion that happened. I had Indianapolis over the Raiders. That was a game that was close at the halfway point, and then Indy just blew them out of the water in the second half. And I had Arizona over the New York Giants. I got that one right. And my upset special was the Washington football team over the San Francisco 49ers, and I got that right. So as it pertains to teams on the season, last week I was 4-1, and one, so that takes me to 42 and a half wins and 18 and a half losses in my upset specials i am seven and five that's for the teams that i pick i pick five games a week roughly five games a week. i think a couple weeks in there if weird stuff happened i didn't get quite five games in i picked on the player side alex smith to have a good day against the team that drafted him number one overall and no he got hurt and he won't start in fact dwayne haskins will start this week versus seattle for the washington football team so he did not have a good day lamar jackson i said would have a good day he had a great day he had a a just a a season a game of the season day 
So that, that worked out. I said Deshaun Watson would have a good day against Mitch Trubisky in the Chicago Bears. He was sacked six times, beat up pretty bad. And, yeah, we're talking uh, talking about throwing in the towel for this guy. Uh, so th- I was wrong there. Calvin Ridley, he had a good day for the Atlanta Falcons. I was right about that one. And I was right about Kyler Murray. So for the week, I was 3-2, and two, and that takes me to 35-24 and 24 for the season. That's what has happened. Happened. Now, for what will happen, I'll tell you right now who's going to have a good day. If you're talking about teams that are going to have a good day week 15, let's start with the AFC South's Tennessee Titans. They are rolling right now, rolling towards the division title. They take on the Detroit Lions, and they will have a good day. We talked about the New Orleans Saints, and while they get a batter, Drew Brees back, Michael Thomas is out again with that ankle injury he suffered early in the year, and I think Kansas City has enough, and they want to prove a point, and they will have a good day. Going back to the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts. They beat the Texans a few weeks ago when the Texans had a chance to win that game. This time, they'll blow them out of the water and they will have a good day. While the Buffalo Bills have won the AFC East for the first time since 1995, don't count the New England Patriots out just yet. In a minor upset, I'm going to take them over the Miami Dolphins to prove that they are still in the game. They'll have a good day. And in my upset special, hey, I'm rolling with the guy from Channel View High School from right here in Houston, Texas. Our guy Jalen Hurts starting for the Philadelphia the Eagles over a fellow Texan quarterback in Kyler Murray. The Eagles will beat the Arizona Cardinals and they will have a good day. When you're talking about players who are going to have a good day, the Washington football team's Chase Young. This dude is the truth. He is really, really good and he's really, really going to have a good day on Sunday versus the Seattle Seahawks. Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans, I didn't pick him last week, but I learned my lesson. He's going to get off, he's going to do his thing, and he is going to have a good day versus the Detroit Lions. A lot of dirt has been thrown on Cam Newton, but I think this Sunday he will bounce back and look like the guy who at one point was the MVP of the NFL, Cam Newton versus the Miami Dolphins. He will have a good day. Why will T.Y. Hilton have a good day? Only because he owns the Houston Texans. Last game he had eight receptions for 110 yards and a touchdown. That was a few weeks ago. He's going to do that and maybe even more on Sunday. He is going to have a good day. And finally, this guy is so nice, I had to pick him twice. Two weeks in a row, Calvin Ridley. On the season, 87 receptions, 1,029 yards, and eight touchdowns. He's a top 10-ish receiver in the NFL. And against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he will have a good day. In fact, all of those teams and all of those players will have a good day. To have your comments heard, call 832 941 6614. With that, going to take a time out and hear from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and some music from my guy. And I'm going to tell you a lot more about this on the other side from my man, Jazzy Red. And this will help get you in the Christmas spirit. On the other side, still our conversation with Byron Smith, head coach of the Prairie View AM Panther basketball team. And of course, the Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. So, all that's going on and a whole lot more this is the sports talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast 
Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. Kobank Homes through Keller Williams. Well, it's Christmas time in the city of H-Town. Food so good they can't put their plates down. Checking my list, and I'm checking it two times. Santa Claus is coming down the chimney in due time. In the fireplace, it's the Yule Law. And my mama made Christmas dinner with no hog. Holiday spirit, people filled with glee. We got a lot of presents on the Christmas trees. Joy to the king, and the king is me. And if the G-O-D be in me, then I'm G-O-D. Christ is born, it's the day of the holy. fa la 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 A thorn is worn, he's exalted mostly. fa la 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 Just pulling off from the cold north pole on dancer and the rest of the crew and Rudolph the red nosed reindeer. How is that for getting you into the Christmas spirit? That's a song entitled I Wish Every Day Was Christmas by a Houston rap legend, a KTSU legend, a good friend of mine for many, many years, Jazzy Red and Raiden Edmondson. Now, uh, that is a wonderful, wonderful, that's upbeat and spirited and fun and all of the stuff that you associate with Christmas. That's a part of his uh, his new Christmas EP coming out with uh, songs like I, of course, I wish every day was Christmas and Santa Claus is real little drummer boy. And I am a Christmas fiend. Now, I imagine that's a play on his hit song. I am a dope fiend. How many if you're in the greater Houston area, you have to know that. And I'm sure you might know that around the country, but for sure, if you're in the greater Houston area, you uh, and you're of a certain age, <laughs> you got to qualify that. You remember that. And I mean, hey, we rode around all over town. He was like a big brother in the radio entertainment game, and he drug me. He well, he allowed me to go around with him as he went about his business of building a career for himself and uh, just having fun and and doing and really putting together his album it was uh it was a great a beach girl and let me see what i i used to like all of those something man the samples were great it was uh i really enjoyed that that was those were great great days but jazzy red you'll hear the entire track at the end of the podcast but you can also check him out on youtube and subscribe to his page. So uh, and send him some uh, Sports Talk with Devin Wade love. And again, the entire track will be played at the conclusion of this podcast. And if you want your music heard on the podcast, just submit it to us. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. Going to get to our conversation with Preview and m head basketball coach, Coach Byron Smith, and of course, our Lamont Award. That's coming up. But first, I want to talk about something very important that happened this week as Major League Baseball made the Negro League stats official and those will be a part of the major league record books and that is really really important for a number of reasons it's important because for MLB to acknowledge 
the Negro Leagues and incorporate their statistics into uh, official MLB stats goes a long way in preserving that in a way that you have all the power and force and the resources to make sure that that history is illuminated even more. Now, I want to give shouts out to all of the historians and all of the writers and all of the journalists and all of the people who've kept the Negro Leagues in the forefront or, or just on the scene and the conversations and the books and the stories alive, the documentaries and all of the things that the, that folks have done to keep the Negro Leagues alive. This is very important in extending that and taking it to the next level because no one keeps records like MLB baseball, but it also, again, validates those guys posthumously and it validates how important they were and how good they were and how deprived they were of the opportunities. But now their records are in the official MLB record books. And that's really, really important. And I hope that that spurs us to do more research and celebrate those guys a whole lot more and not forget them and keep our history alive. So that was a big, big deal. And it happened this week. So that is something that is really, really wonderful. And uh, I hope that you guys go out and do more and more research. I just remember the stories of Buck O'Neill who played in Negro leagues and how he, the stories, he just brought that league and those personalities and those players to life and his descriptive language and how he talked about them was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And now Major League Baseball has entered those uh, stats into the record books. Well, that is great, great. And I'm going to have somebody want to talk about that uh, really, really soon. We're going to try to work on something where we can talk uh, to uh, experts uh, about the Negro Leagues. So that's something that we'll work on. Uh, right now, I want to transition to our conversation with Coach Byron Smith. What a great positive guy he is to talk to a uh, very fun conversation uh, he had listened to ktsu sports talk and i uh, i heard i've never met him but i've known him i knew him when he played the u of h it was a great opportunity to have a conversation with him about the uh, purview and then program and COVID and, and his program and how he's handled it. And uh, he's turned that program around. I mean, they've been uh, Texas Southern's rivals, uh, you know, forever, of course. And it's an intense, fun rivalry, no doubt about it. And now Purview is really a, a formidable opponent. Uh, and this program, they won back-to-back -back SWAC titles and uh, a SWAC tournament and was favored to win the SWAC tournament last year or well, this year um, before it was uh, canceled due to COVID. But a great conversation with a really, really a nice and uh, knowledgeable head coach for Prairie View and in basketball. Here's a conversation with Coach Byron Smith. Coach Smith, first of all, thanks so much for joining me. We certainly appreciate it. I wanted to ask you, obviously you've had two back-to-back -back, uh, winning seasons, winning the SWAC back-to-back -back and the last SWAC tournament. Uh, before we get into what's going on now, let's talk about the conclusion of last season because obviously what an abrupt end. And it seemed like to outsiders, maybe not to you, but to a lot of outsiders that the SWAC tournament going into Birmingham was going to be very competitive. You guys had sort of did work. You were running the table, and then you stumbled a little bit down the stretch before getting it going again. Talk a little bit about the abrupt end of last season, and, and how difficult was that for your team and their expectations of what was going to happen in Birmingham? Yeah, it was a very difficult, uh, very challenging time for us. You know, I um, 
you know, I was kind of, I guess, eased with the decision once, you know, the NBA shut down and the different conferences, uh, you know, kind of shut down and, and, and decided they weren't going to play the conference tournament. I, I was kind of, I guess I was kind of glad that it did happen, even though I was disappointed because, again, it was going to be competitive. But I felt that, you know, we were getting ready to, you know, kind of get things cranked up again. We did stumble a little bit at the end uh, with the uh, Alcorn and, and Southern Road trip. But I, I really enjoyed my team. I really felt like, you know, that they kind of re- rejuvenated, gotten over the two losses to close out the season and was getting ready. And obviously we won the first round uh, against Alabama A&M. Uh, but I felt like we were getting ready to uh, kind of hit our stride again. Uh, and I liked our chances going into the tournament. More disappointed that I wasn't going to get an opportunity to coach those young men again. It was a special group. Uh, that gave us two back-to-back championships. And, I, again, I felt very com- confident that we had a, a good chance to go into the conference tournament and uh, repeat as con- conference tournament champions again. But just really just more disappointed because I really loved that team and great group of guys and uh, that I wasn't going to get an opportunity to coach them again and they won't really get, get an opportunity to wear, you know, Panther uniform again. So just really disappointed for that. Song. What was that moment like when you had to break the news to them and tell them, hey, this, it's not going to happen? Well, the thing the thing was, we were actually on our way over to uh, shoot around to get ready to, uh, you know, face Jackson State. And we were just kind of talking a little bit about it on the bus. And the players were kind of watching their phones, getting updates and things like that. So I think we kind of found out together that it was going to be uh, a, a cancellation of the tournament. And uh, that made it a lot easier because they, they were getting it at the same time we were getting it as opposed to, you know, me getting a phone call or one of my coaches getting a phone call or an administrator or an SID getting a phone call. And then I was having to walk into uh, a banquet room in the hotel or walk into the locker room and say, hey, guys, the season's over. Or at least in the, the time being, the conference uh, tournament is over. And uh, we just got to wait to see if we're going to have a chance to move forward and get the NCAA tournament. So the fact that we all found out together made it nonetheless, but it made it a little bit easier that we all found out at the same time the tournament was going to be canceled. Now, since then, it's been just a tremendously difficult time for everybody on a lot of different levels. As a basketball coach, as the leader of young men, how difficult has it been since March until this very day to manage this program under all of the uh, the, the weight of COVID? Well, you know, I always say, Devin, the most successful people in life are the ones that can make adjustments. Uh, and, and obviously, we've been tested as, as, as men, as, as, as leaders of this program, uh, just with our everyday daily routine, because basketball is kind of what we pretty much do 24-7, you know, aside from being uh, husbands and fathers, uh, it's a full-time job to us. So, you know, we were kind of like a fish out of water because we didn't have an individual workout to go to or practice to go to in the in the spring and in the summertime and, and uh, in large part in the fall as well. So it's, it's been tough, but, uh, you know, in life, you know, no test, no testimony. So I think that, you know, it's, it's helping us become better men, helping us become better coaches, that we're having to, uh, you know, make some adjustments right now. Uh, and, and I think we will continue to have to make adjustments uh, as the season goes on. But just really trying to keep our players, you know, positive, keep them optimistic that we are, we feel like we are going to play some basketball, uh, maybe not as many games as we would have had the pandemic not, uh, you know, not been here. But, uh, but just trying to keep these guys positive, trying to keep them – focused on, you know, being this is the time to be the, have the best semester that you've ever had academically. As a team, 3.0 team GPA is a goal. I think we came up so maybe a percentage point short of that, so we had a really good semester. But just talking to these guys about the importance of, you know, once you do get back out or honor the game the right way with your effort, you know, and your enthusiasm, because you never know when it can be taken away from you. So, you know, it's kind of been more – 
trying to work with our players on the mental aspect of, of it because the physical have been taken away, not being able to practice a lot. So I guess at the end of the year, uh, Devin, if we get there, uh, I think we'll be able to see the you know how good of a job we did. But we, we're doing the best we can, like every other coach in the country, on the fly. Because these are uncharted waters. I don't think anyone has any exact science or, or, or answers for how to deal with it. But we, you just have to stay prayed up. And you just have to do the best you can. You have to rely on your instincts uh, and the support of your administration, which I think is good as well. And just hope for the best. So you've gotten a few games in. You're supposed to play on Monday, uh, and I mean, how how does that work? Do I mean, how close is it finding out whether you play, you're playing, or you're not playing? Is it a matter of hours, days uh, before you get on the plane? How you know what's the timeline usually like before you find out if we are actually going to play a game? Sometimes that is not even day by day; it's minute by minute. You know, obviously we do three tests, the three mandatory tests that the NCAA required that. You, that you that you play and you have to test, you know, obviously 72 hours before competition. So we've gotten our two tests uh, this week out of the way. The third test will come on. We, we, we will board a plane uh, on Sunday for Pullman, Washington. We'll play Washington State on the 21st, Monday the 21st. And the third test will be the day of the game. Uh, once we get in town, uh, obviously we'll practice and get situated in the hotel and we'll have a test the day of. And uh, keep our fingers crossed and, and hope, you know, that God gives us the increase and that uh, everyone tests negative. And then we can uh, we can we can go ahead with that game of Washington State uh, uh, that that evening. Well, we know. I mean, being around sports, you know, and, and we're all sort of creatures of habit. And for coaches, I know you all use the preseason and, and the pre-conference schedule to sort of build up to prepare for the conference schedule. With not being able to do that in the same manner, how disruptive is it to your team and really understanding what you have in a team going into conference play? Yeah, you know, it's tough, uh, I'm not going to lie. It's tough, especially with us with, a, with a, almost like a, a totally new team. we got like eight or nine new guys. They're, they're talented, but they're still new. And just really trying to, you know, figure out and understand how we like to play basketball here at Prairie View, which we think is a little bit different to uh, a lot of other programs. Uh, it, 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 it's been very difficult. Uh, you know, obviously putting more time in the film session and showing these guys a lot of uh, games in the past. It's, you know, obviously some great matches with Texas Southern, you know, showing a lot of those games, Southern, Jackson State, you know, Alabama State, you know, some of the uh, you know, tougher opponents that we've had to play against, showing them a lot of film, talking these guys through a lot uh, because the games haven't been there, and just just preparing each and every day as if, you know, it is a regular season. We're going to have the 11, 12, or 13 non-conference game, even though we're not. So it's been it's been challenging, but uh, I'm, I'm very appreciative of our young men that they have been very coachable. They stay positive. With even with dealing with so much uncertainty, and you know, you know, Devin as well as I do, young people uh, are creatures of habit as well, uh, and they get used to doing certain things every day, class and lunch, and uh, maybe a little bit of study hall practice, uh, and then back, back, back to the dorm. Uh, so it's, it's been a daunting task, but I, I think uh, right now I probably would give our program probably a C plus as to how we've handled it. Uh, but at the end, I think we'll get a final grade, and in terms of how we finish out the season and. If we're doing things the way that we've been in the past, uh, I, I think that, you know, obviously we could have some success this year. And, uh, you know, we can kind of, you know, like I say, make something of a very difficult year, but we can get something positive out of it. Well, how confident are you that, that the SWAC will be able to get through a season? Obviously no one knows, but what's your gut feeling on being able to, to matriculate through the conference schedule and, and get it concluded? Well, you know, Devin, I, I really can just kind of speak to Kind of what we're doing, we you know we feel at Prairie View that because of the testing and because of the restrictions and because of the 
the different protocols that we've had to follow that are unlike what the CDC requires uh, or suggests, uh, we feel like, you know, that, that we've got a pretty good chance uh, because of the testing and that we've adhered to all of the, uh, the, the protocols. Uh, we feel like we've got a pretty good chance to be, you know, one of the teams that's left standing at the end that can get through an 18-game schedule. But it's just really difficult for me because I don't know what everybody else is doing. Uh, I do know that uh, Charles McClellan, our esteemed commissioner, is doing everything that he can possibly to give us all the information that we need to keep us current as to, you know, maybe what some of the Power Five people are doing in terms of testing and things like that. So the information has been there, which we're appreciative of that. But it's just really, it's just really fluid. Then I mean, you know, you can do everything right, and you can wear your mask, you can social distance, and do wash your hands and keep your hands out of your face and things like that, and, and you still can contract this deadly virus. So um, it's just, it, it's, it's a fluid situation. But I really wish that I had an answer at a crystal ball right now where I could say, hey, that on March fourth, you know, everybody in the swag, all nine teams, ten teams, whatever it is, is going to, you know, be able to have all eighteen games played. But, uh, but again, you just have to, you know, stay prayed up and hope for the best. But it's just, there's just no clear picture, clear-cut answer for that at this point in time. I want to ask you about your ability to turn this program around. What has been the key to your success and, and how you've turned around an entire program? What has been the key for you? Well, you know what? It's just that just really having a, an effort. You know, like I said, Devin, you got a lot of coaches that talk about the type of coaches that they are, good defensive coach, good offensive coach. Uh, I, I would just say that I'm, I'm an effort coach, uh, and I coach effort. And, uh, you know, we really focus on, you know, getting our players in unbelievable shape uh, and just having a defensive mindset. You know, a lot of coaches talk about that too, defense. But we really preach it and we teach it, and uh, we come to expect it. Uh, so those are just some of the things and, uh, that, that have worked for us. And obviously recruiting the type of guys that fit the way you want to play. I mean, you can't, you know, fit a square peg into a round hole. A lot of coaches, you know, recruit players that really may not fit whether they want to play, but I think that we 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 have a careful approach, and we've been able to go out and recruit kids that we feel that from watching on film and talking to other people, we felt that they fit the way that we want to play, uh, and just a, a lot of support, a lot of prayers, uh, them uh, from various people, and a lot of support from our administration, a lot of support from uh, you know the great city of Houston, which you know for whatever reason don't really see prayer view as a part of the of Houston, <laughs> but I do. Uh, but just a lot of support. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a lineage, uh, a lot of different things that have contributed to the success that we've had. But just a lot of hard work, Devin. I will tell you that, and we're going to continue that because that's what that's what it's about: giving great effort each and every day from your your team, your staff, your administration, and, and that's what that's what we've gotten. We're in the backdrop of Black Lives Matter and a lot more attention paid to HBCUs. Let's talk a little bit about the swag briefly, if we could. Talk a little bit about the evolution in coaching that you've seen, because you've been around the swag for a long time. Talk about the evolution you've seen in the coaching around the swag as it pertains to, to basketball. I'll tell you this right now. You know, I have been around Houston a lot longer than I've been around the swag. Even when I wasn't in the league, I would always pay attention because I'm, I'm an avid basketball guy. But, you know, I, I would, you know, and, and try to be as respectful as I possibly can. But I, I would say the way that the swag is right now, uh, in large part, a lot of the credit goes to how we coach and how we recruit and how we prepare. A lot of credit has to go to Mike Davis. 
uh, who I think has been the best coach maybe ever in this week. <laughs> just to me, that's just my opinion for whatever it's worth. He's a, he's a mentor of mine. He's a friend of mine. But I think just with the, the way that he did things at Texas and how he recruited, how he even kind of maybe took some chance, took some chances on some kids that other people wouldn't. Uh, sometimes it is about that too, taking chances and things like that. But uh, I think he's raised, he raised the bar to, a, to an all-time high level. Uh, and he, he put pressure on us to be able to you know, go out and, and, and prepare and be serious about your preparation and go out and recruit uh, kids and, and try to take shots at kids that, you know, that you may not be able to get, but, you know, have a, you know, a, a why not type of a, a mentality and approach. I mean, why, why not? I mean, hey, all the kids can say, no, I don't want to come to Prairie. I don't want to come to Jackson. I don't want to come to Texas. Southern. I don't want to come to Grambling. Uh But I, I think that he's probably been the most impactful person in the last you know, 10 to 15 years uh, in our league. And I think he has to get a lot of the credit for how the league is flourishing now. And I think getting a lot more respect national from the national media. And I, obviously I think Johnny's come in there and, 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 and really kind of, you know, helped to carry the mantle and done a good job as well. But, 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 but Mike Davis has to get, uh, from my perspective and my point of view, He's owed a lot of credit for for how our league uh, the shape the good shape that it's in right now today. And finally, before we get out of here, I got to ask you about your alma mater, the U of H Cougars. They are they are really doing their thing under Coach uh, Kelvin Sampson. Talk a little bit about what does it feel like to have your alma mater being being on the map again and really uh, being a nationally recognized program. You know, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I, I felt that when that happened, I, I felt that that was the, the most significant hire maybe in the history uh, of the University of Houston. Obviously, I've you know been a, a, a fan of that program since I was back in Louisiana at, at 13 years old, and obviously having a chance to play there, uh, I felt like I had a pretty good feel and have good relationships with a lot of the former players. But I, I felt that uh, I knew that because I obviously had relationships with Kelvin Sampson when he was at Oklahoma and at Indiana, so I knew the type of a basketball coach that he was, uh, and I knew that he would get things going. So I, I'm really proud, but I'm not surprised, Devin. I'm not surprised at the success that they're having because, you know, you, you, you hear all these great coaches and, you know, the media controls a lot of the narratives and how people think, and you always hear about, you know, Krzyzewski and, 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 and Self and Izzo, uh, Jay Wright, you know, but you rarely ever hear the name Kelvin Sampson when they talk about the best of the best in college basketball. But for me, you know, in my thoughts, and I, I'll go to anybody, any media person or anybody and tell them that I think Kelvin Sampson is a top five coach in the country at, at almost any level. I just I think he's that good. I've watched his teams. I've, watched, I've been to some of his practices. I think he's that good. Uh, so I, I think we're definitely blessed. I think we're, we're blessed and fortunate to be able to hang on to him because, you know, in, in the world of, uh, of sports today, you know, obviously, you know, you know, nobody's safe. You know, I mean, there's always someone out there with a little bit more money, a little bit more prestige, a little bit better profile that's always coming after, uh, you know, coaches who do a great job. So I think we're blessed as Cougars to still be able to hang on to him as long as we have. But uh, he's doing a super job. I'm excited. Uh, I support him as much as I possibly can. And I try to follow some, you know, obviously take some pages out of his book as to how he prepares. But he's uh, he's done a great job. So the fact that number five or six or whatever, seven in the nation right now, uh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I kind of thought that that would happen. And um, I think as long as he's there, I think they're going to continue to be a top ten program in the country. Well, Coach, with that, I want you to know that we are rooting for – well, a lot of us, a lot of us TSU folks are rooting for you, <laughs> except for two Saturdays or two, or two a Monday and a Saturday, however the schedule falls. But we – we generally root for you guys to, to have success. And, uh, of course, you know, it's a 
close-knit relationship between the two universities. Uh, and so we look forward to you having a, uh, I guess, you one more non-conference uh, game uh, on Monday. We hope you get that in. And uh, we, we'll check in with you during the, uh, during the SWAC schedule if we can. That would be great to catch up with you again. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having a fan of the show. I think you and the main man, Kevin Allen, who I love like a brother, I think you guys do a great job over there. And uh, like I said, I'm a fan, and you guys keep up the good work. And anytime I can help, just reach out. I love talking, as you can tell. So uh, <laughs> I'm a phone call away. But I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Coach. I want to thank Coach Byron Smith for joining us. Uh, certainly a wonderful uh, conversation and just uh, really a positive, upbeat coach. And I really appreciate his candor. Uh, it was my first time catching up with him, and I hope it won't be the last. Hopefully the audio was okay. Uh, we had to catch him on the go. He's doing a lot of things, moving that program in the right direction. And like I told him, uh, we generally root for Prairie View. Uh, and, again, of course, I, I broadcast and I work at KTSU on the – campus of texas southern university so uh, i will say this we generally root for them and because we represent the western side of the swag the only two texas schools in the swag and everything else is is east and there, there are many more teams now east of the mississippi uh so you know we stick together from that standpoint and i generally i uh, root for prairie view success when they are not playing texas southern now that's very important uh, to make note of. So with that, going to transition to probably the most popular segment on our podcast, uh, week in and week out and episode in and episode out. It's the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the podcast. Well, this time out, you know, I've been in locker rooms and in barbershops and there's all, you know, you get into the inevitable debate, sports debate about who was better. You know, who was the best this? Who was the best that? Who, you know, of course, the biggest one these days, LeBron or Jordan or LeBron, what's in my mind, LeBron or Kobe. But, you know, you know the discussion. And you normally, you have those in barbershops. And and generally, the players themselves stay away from that, at least publicly. Now, you know, I'm sure that knowing how testosterone flows in the locker room, you know guys have had those kinds of conversations a bunch of times with each other. And, and talking about this, that, or the other. But generally, especially among Hall of Famers, they stay away from those kinds of conversations. It's fruitless. It just, it's nothing to it. It's fun for us to have those discussions. For them, I mean, what's the point? You're not going to convince somebody one way or the other. And so generally, like I said, but generally at least stay out of, the, of those types of conversations. Well, in the day and age of Twitter and podcasts and Instagram, I guess uh, one of these old school cats got caught up. And I'm talking about Randy Moss. Randy Moss got caught up on a podcast and maybe he was just telling his truth. But his truth is way, way off. So what he said was they asked him about, is he the best receiver of all time? He said, yes, he was, and that T.O. was second, and Jerry Rice was third or fourth. He kind of blew him off. And you wonder for a minute, like, are you, is this personal somehow? What, what is this really about? Did he snub you at some point? Is, is this what this is about? Or do you really think this? So then Jerry Rice hit him with a spin on Instagram. He hit him with the stat. Here's the truth. Now, and again, you can't define everything 
by stats. You, you really can't because the different errors, different, you know, variables that affect the stats themselves. So you can't just go by stats. But in this case, I think you kind of can. On one side, you had Jerry Rice, 21 seasons. Randy Moss, 14 seasons. Jerry Rice, 1,549 receptions. Randy Moss, 982 receiving yards. 22,895 for Jerry Rice. 15,292 for Randy Moss. 197 touchdowns to 156. Three Super Bowl wins for Jerry Rice. None for Randy Moss. One Super Bowl MVP for Jerry Rice. None for Randy Moss. So, uh, aside from the, the Super Bowl thing, you can't control the Super Bowl thing. Although, he got there. He got there with an undefeated team. But, and let me say this about Randy Moss. Randy Moss is probably the biggest threat on a football field. To go anytime, like among receivers, he was the biggest threat. Like, you, that was a guy that could strike fear in you. But, he is not better than Jerry Rice. Not only is he the best wide receiver of all time, there's a debate that he may be the best football player of all time. Now, he did this back when. And, of course, he had the, the, the innovative West Coast offense, but that dude did it for 21 years. Moss said something, oh, well, he compiled numbers. Well, you cannot compile numbers in football if you're not productive and in shape and professional and prepared to play. Part of the problem with Randy Moss, he wasn't a professional. He was not a professional in how he carried himself a lot of times. I mean, obviously his talent was undeniable, but he did dog it. He did take place, plays off. He was a, a jerk with the media, and I'm sure with people around the organization. I was in the locker room when he played for the Vikings, and he's just dropping F-bombs while he knows that the media is working. And you know that you're interrupting live shots and interviews and stuff like that. And, you you know, just being just blatantly rude and disrespectful. I mean, and that went on a lot of places. He dogged it uh, in Oakland until he got out of there and got shipped to New England where he could play with Brady. He kind of powdered his way to New England, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, and even my guy T.O., and I think I would take T.O. If you want to just talk about comparable numbers, I'm telling you, man, I would take T.O. T.O. was always in shape. Always played hard. He was a problem child in the, in the locker room a little bit to some. To others, he wasn't. But anyway, there's no way in hell that Randy Moss is better than Jerry Rice. And for all of these young people who hear this and they co-sign on it, you don't even know what you're talking about. So it's ridiculous for him to think that he's better than Jerry Rice. And because Randy Moss, who has never been accused of being a Mensa member, you are a big dummy. You big dummy! <laughs> you said that out loud. Were you drunk? There's no way. Look, man. I, who, who? Where you? What? It's good to believe in yourself. Believing in yourself is about what I, I'm going to do and what I can do. When you look back at what happened, nah, bro. You cannot measure up to Jerry Rice. So, and again, and I'm not a, just a huge San Francisco 49ers fan. Wasn't a, just a huge Jerry Rice fan. I, I mean, I rooted for him because he was in the swag. I mean, you, you can't deny who he was and, and what he did in the sport of football. Had a chance to interview him at halftime, his first homecoming back 
at Mississippi Valley State. He came up in the booth, and we had a conversation at halftime. Great opportunity to talk to him. But that aside, I was in the locker room with, with Randy, and, man, he was just too much. Now, again, that doesn't have anything to do with what he did on the field. That kind of thing and those kinds of behaviors cut a year or two off of your career at the end. It happened to T.O. T.O. probably had two or three good years, productive years, not superstar years, not Pro Bowl years, but years where he could have gotten paid to be an NFL receiver, and that cost him because of the bridges he burned, real or perceived. So with that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to remind you guys that on Tuesday we'll have uh, probably one podcast next week. Chris, the week of Christmas, we'll probably have one episode. But before I get out of here, want to thank Cobank Holmes. Want to thank Byron Smith, head coach of the Preview Inn and Panthers. Want to thank my man Jazzy Red. And again, if you want to check out, I wish every day was Christmas. Uh, check him out. You'll, I'm going to play the entire song in just a second. And uh, look out for that EP. And of course, it's J-A-Z-Z-I-E, Red, and you can uh, check him out on YouTube, on his channel. Subscribe to his YouTube channel, but we certainly appreciate uh, hearing from my guy. That was my boy back in the day. We uh, He picked me up. I, I Was it a Granada? Well, I, I forget the what kind of car it was. It was a white car. We went all over the place. He allowed me to hang out with him. Yeah, man, it, it was, uh, I mean, he was, uh, I mean, he still is a great guy to be around a lot of energy a lot of positive energy the dude is a bad bad man and uh, i hope you uh, listen to the rest of that song with his daughter raiden edmondson so that is a wonderful wonderful thing uh, i want to remind you guys hit me up on social media on facebook the sports talk with devin wade page and group on facebook go to wadeswordproductions.com subscribe to the email list and of course give us a call on the sports line 832-941-661-424 hours they leave us a message give us your comments on anything pertaining to the podcast and hit me up on twitter at wade's word listen up for i wish every day was christmas from jazzy red and raiden edmondson after this but i want you to first remember these four things number one i don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening two i ain't got no money three i'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and four bye <laughs> This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.
it's Christmas time in the city of H-Town. Food so good they can't put their plates down. Checking my list and I'm checking it two times. Santa Claus is coming down the chimney in due time. In the fireplace it's the Yule Log. And my mama made Christmas dinner with no hog. Holiday spirit people filled with glee. We got a lot of presents on the Christmas trees. Joy to the king and the king is me. And if the G-O-D be in me then I'm G-O-D. Christ is born, it's the day of the holy. fa la 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 Warned, he's exalted mostly. Giving us the way you receive your blessings. Sending him praises is a valuable lesson. Jolly St. Nicholas, ho, ho, ho. Just pulling off from the cold North Pole. On Dancer and the rest of the crew. And Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. We'll bring it home just for you. We'll bring it home just for you. Well, the hawk is out, snow's on the ground. Time to bless the food, so gather around. Rice and stuff and macaroni and cheese. And gifts like these on the Christmas tree. I just want to thank Christ and the gifts he gives us. I just wish every day was Christmas. I wish every day was Christmas. I just wish every day was Christmas. I wish every day was Christmas. I just wish every day was Christmas. I wish every day was Christmas. I just wish every day was Christmas. I wish Merry Christmas. 